Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good Sunday morning, everybody, and welcome on in. It is Tobin's Fight Show here on 790 The Ticket. A lot to get to in the world of boxing, mixed martial arts, whatever the hell Triller was doing last night. Um... So a lot to get into. Uh, boxing was tremendous last night between Brandon Figueroa, Stephen Fulton. Uh, Fulton coming out on top as the unified 122 champion. And then, of course, we had the, the in my mind, the undisputed uh, championship at lightweight, 135 pounds. I mean, WBC can't make up their mind. Are they claiming George Cambosis is their champion. Are they not? I mean, you know, it sounds like we're probably going to go down that direction anyway. So we'll find out. But uh, the man who has the most belts now at 135 pounds is George Ferocious Cambosis. I want to start there. Uh, you guys know we had George on the program uh, many times, and we had him on recently before this fight, before he ended up traveling to New York for this bout against uh, Teofimo Lopez. Very hard to stay unbiased in watching this fight. I was rooting for him very, very hard. And, you know, the guy is, he's such an interesting character to talk to because a lot of this stuff, you know, a lot of these guys you talk to, it, it, you do this for a long time. You you know who's trying to talk themselves up or, you know, trying to play maybe to the moment. And for anybody that thought that George Cambosis was doing that, you were sorely mistaken. I mean, the guy has been the same guy uh, for the you know three plus years that I've been interviewing the guy. He has been this iron willed, this steadfast, this tunnel visioned on getting to the title. And you know, eventually you gotta put the the microphones aside, and all that stuff goes away, and you have to go execute. And to make the statement that he did in that first round to put Tiafimo Lopez on the canvas when Lopez was trying to do everything in his power to put George Gambosis on the canvas and for you to flip the script on him and you to knock him down, that was absolutely crazy because he was eating some absolute bombs from, from Tiafimo. He really, really was. I don't understand. I, I, I saw this. There was one thing that was really confusing because I was curious to see the scorecards after this thing was over, even though I did think that George correctly got the decision, but I was very curious to see what the, uh, the scorecards were going to be. I just wanted to see where things were. And I saw that two of the judges, look at this is on Dan Rayfield's uh, Twitter account. Two of the judges didn't give him a 10, eight round that round, which I thought was crazy. I was like, am I reading that right? 
two of them aren't giving him the uh, aren't giving him the nod there. And yeah, sure enough, uh, you had Don Trella, Don Trella Willis. Uh, he gave him a 10-9, didn't give him the 10-8. You had uh, Frank Lombardi, he did give him the 10-8. And Glenn Feldman didn't give him a 10-8. He gave him a 10-9, which I thought was crazy. I didn't, you know, like, it, it was pretty wild because, yes, Tiafimo was definitely winning the round up until that point. But he got put on his ass. That's a grave mistake, and I feel like the scoring has to pay for it. So when I saw that uh, on the scorecards going back, I was like, what? That's that's pretty crazy. Ended up being uh, 115, 112, 115, 111, both going for Cambosis, and then 113, 114 uh, the other way. But, man, it was really a uh, such a statement for George right out of the gate. His fans were fast. That was something that was very, very noticeable is just the hand speed was tremendous from him. Um, you had Tiafima Lopez, who really, I think they had a huge reevaluation of what they were trying to do because all this talk about he was going to be the guy to uh, knock him out in the first round, all that jawing, all that talk. And it's funny that he is the one who is delivering a lot of this talk and saying that you bring nothing to the table. But all the head games, all the all the steadfastness from George Cambosis, in a lot of ways, really, really rattled that whole camp in, in Tiafima Lopez. Not just him, but his father getting to the workouts like a crazy person and trying to go after the Cambosis family and talking about all this stuff. Oh, he assaulted. He's like the guy, like, touch me and I'll sue. Uh, and I, I mean, like, his, I felt like his dad was, was letting him down in a lot of ways in that corner today. There's always been a big debate about, you know, fathers and whether they make good trainers. And I don't know. I think some of them do a tremendous job and they've led their sons to some pretty great heights. But I do think whether he was his father or whatever, the role tonight of trainer, I thought that Tiafimo Sr. really, really uh, did a poor job in uh, not only not only his preparation for his son, but having the energy so high and, and all that type of stuff. And, and really, I think probably angsting him on to to go and get that knockdown and, and seek it out so much. But for George, he just, he weathered it so well. And really, I mean, the fight was, was his man. This was, this was his fight basically up until, you know, you got to about round eight and you started to see a little bit of life from Tiafimo Lopez. He started getting a little bit of the better of these exchanges. Cause they would get into these wild exchanges, usually at the end of these rounds and 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 Cambosis was just getting the best of it, man. He was faster. He was getting the cleaner shots. The jab was slick. The uh, the check hook was looking great. And I really just thought that he had a, a bewildered Tiafimo Lopez. Now look, credit to him with all the ass kicking that I thought, and I really thought it was a lopsided ass kicking that he was taking up until about round eight. Um, not a very close fight up until that point in my mind. In my mind. Um, but to, to really show a, a, a really great heart of a champion to really flip things from like rounds 8 through 10 where he eventually gets the knockdown in round 10 and, and, and George looks like he's in a bad way. I mean, I think it's I'm like, I think this might be because he, he looked like he got hurt around round nine. You're like, all right, this may not be looking so good. You're starting to see maybe that the uh, the, the strength from Tiafimo may be starting to pay dividends. He was really starting to hit him with some body work too. That was paying off. And that was a that was a devastating knockdown. But he really tried to go for broke after he got it. That he 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 thinks that 
you know, maybe he thought that he had it in the bag. Maybe he thought it was the exclamation point. I don't know because uh, he, uh, he didn't really go for that absolute kill shot. And, and George was really coming back by the end of it. I mean, he, he had his feet. He had his bounce back to him. And so it really was, it, it felt like going to come down to, all right, what's going to happen in 11 and 12? Is this going to be Tiafimo continuing to slant? Is he on his way to stop in this fight? Or does George have anything left? And if he was going to have anything left, he needed to show it immediately. Holy hell, did he? I mean, he came out in that 11th round, and he butchered the face of Tiafima Lopez. Caught him up badly, gushing blood, to a point where they had to stop it in the middle of the round to have him looked at because he was getting peppered so much. It was such a great response from George Cambosis where... You're going into the swing of things. It looks like you have this thing in cruise control. Okay, we're getting to the middle of this fight. Now the undisputed champion, now the man at 135 is really starting to put pedal to the metal here, and this could be all she wrote. And to respond like that every single time, Teofimo tried to put the, the pressure, tried to intimidate, tried to really take this fight by the neck. George Cambosis was there to respond whether it was a better flurry whether it was that whether it was taking those big right hands in the first round and responding with a bigger right hand to knock him down whether it be any of these flurries in the rounds you know four five six seven and who was getting the better of it he was whether it was taking the knockdown in 10 to coming back strong at 11 every single time george ferocious cambosis had an unbelievable response to anything the champion had to dish out to him. And today, he sits uh, among the 135 division as your unified, undisputed, whatever the hell spin you want to put on. This dude's got more belts than anybody else. He's got the IBF, the WBO, the WBA, and if the WBC can decide what the hell they want to do with that franchise belt, I guess he's got that too. Ring Magazine. And I thought he had the line of it all, man. He says that uh, he had the line where he said that these guys, they've been calling themselves the four kings. Well, I'm the emperor because I came into their land and I took everything. I thought it was just, Mwah. that was that for, for, for the Spartan himself to have such a beautiful line was just tremendous from him. And the, you know, the thing you love about this, man, when you, you, you do this type of thing is when especially you see the guys who you've known before anybody knows them and they go and do something like that, you just feel so happy for them. And it's kind of like, uh, you know, I guess for music fans, discovering a band before they really go mainstream. And you're always hoping for these these big-time moments where you're like, man, I, I was on that train before anybody else was. And for George, you know, this guy has just had such an iron will. All those rounds that he sparred with Manny Pacquiao, all that work that he put on at Javier Centeno's Sweatbox Gym, everybody on his team who uh, who believed in the guy. Um, I was speaking with his manager, Peter Kahn, uh, when we did our last sit-down before this fight. And he goes, look, I really, really genuinely believe in it. You know, it's a manager, so you take what it is. But I believe if we follow this game plan, I think he's going to do it. And... It's 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 tough not to, it's tough after not talking to George that you're just like man I kind of believe in him too, but Tiafimo's a beast. Tiafimo's a beast, and um, you know you're gonna hear I think every excuse under the sun from that camp. Um, you started even hearing it in the post fight where it was 
oh, I've been wanting to move up ever since I got the belts. Okay, we know that's kind of been a thing, but you didn't. Um, you know, that you know, you'll probably be hearing the things about the COVID, you'll be hearing the things about the fight getting moved, all that type of stuff. Look, all I know is they finally, after all the 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 BS, first the uh the idea that the first delay was on him. Secondly, that uh all the maneuvering that went down. All right, you eventually agreed to it. You agreed to another promotion. You didn't move on to something else. So you got to be ready. It's not like you're going to be ill-prepared for George George Cambosis. You knew what you're getting into. You just thought that you were a cut above the guy. Thought you were you were you know, um a class above. And okay, that's fine, but that's everything that that Cambosis said that the guy was buying into his own stuff, was not training like he was. And let's see, listen. Now George has a lot of that stuff to deal with. George is going to have to deal with being the guy everybody's targeting he's not the unknown anymore he's not the he's not the minus or he's not the uh, the plus 800 underdog anymore he's going to be the guy where everybody wants to fight i mean from devin haney to jojo diaz to shakur stevenson to ryan garcia to tevin farmer i mean fighter after fighter after fighter, everybody wants to fight george ferocious cambosis now if you asked him 24 hours ago you couldn't uh you couldn't get them into the ring with him so he's in a very interesting spot now. Now everyone's going to want to come after him, and he's a guy who's worked very hard for it, and so he's going to have a lot of that stuff to deal with too. The only thing that really bummed me out with Tiafimo, uh, quite honestly, was I, I wish he could have given a little bit more credit to George. Um, because and we, There was no play press conference. They both ended up going to the hospital. Um, you know, They both, they both uh, took some big, big shots. So... The, the part where he is saying, I, I easily won that fight. All right, fighters say that they, that they they win fights all the time. Where he goes and he's asked, well, what do you think it was? And he says, I think it was 10-2. What? I mean, come on, dude. Really? Like, what, what are we doing here? You know, I can't. I, 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 you know, it's like, it's like you want to hear the guy's case. Okay, let me hear what he's got to say. Fighters always think they're going to. 10-2. 10-2. Mother bleeping too, I, you know, and so that disappoints you as a, as a guy. Look, I like Teofimo Lopez, I really do. I, you know, I, I obviously I'm not hiding my bias for George. I'm telling you, I was rooting for him tonight. Um, but uh, I, you know, I like Teofimo Lopez. I, I think he's uh, 24 years old. He's obviously got a very very bright future in boxing ahead of him. But uh. You know, that 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 whole act from the Lopez, you know, duo between junior and senior. I mean, you, you think this is going to drop, you know, it was dropping. But that was like from the school of Adrian Broner, like where he's like, oh, I beat Manny Pacquiao. Huh? All right, man. I guess. I mean, if you think so, um, that was a that was that was a disappointing thing to hear from Tiafimo. Uh, as far as what's next for George, I like what he said. I like what he laid out there with Devin Haney. Like, let's put all this undisputed nonsense to rest. Let's just put up all the belts. I think that uh, I was surprised to learn in our interview that they were actually pretty cool. And Devin seemed like they were pretty cool. He's obviously got the good relationship with Eddie Hearn now. They're going to be fighting next week. You know, Devin's got his hands full a little bit with JoJo Diaz. JoJo's a good fighter. So, uh, and I'm looking forward to that matchup. But, yeah, I would like to put this whole WBC thing to to rest and you know, finally have somebody to, yeah, undisputed. So being been the thing this year between 
Josh Taylor and and between you know the under the the lightweight division and the heavyweight division and all those divisions were trying to get uh, Canelo Alvarez at 168. All these divisions of people either becoming undisputed or wanting to become undisputed, and this would uh, yeah I think this would be a nice uh, a, a nice next one to go for between uh, you know Devin I would have George you know in Vegas for the fight you know hopefully get to celebrate with his family a little bit. And, uh, you know, have him there, let him have the victory lap, doing all the interviews, all that type of stuff. And then, you know, promote into this thing with him and Devin Haney. And, you know, I think that uh, the one good thing about George winning is he's not really locked into anybody. He's not he's not a top ranked guy. He's not a zone guy. He's not a matchroom guy. You know, he's rep by by Lou DiBella and, and by Peter Kahn. And so they kind of have the ability to snake around here a little bit and you know, hell, if you know, maybe it ends up with uh, him versus Javante Davis. Who knows? Uh, I would go and I would find the the whatever whatever this camp is. They're going to go and find the biggest payday possible. Um, Ryan Garcia throwing his hat in the ring. You know, I don't think Ryan really deserves to fight for the uh, for the majority of the belts right now. Devin certainly, I think, if he comes out on top, definitely has a claim to that. Javante is a huge star. Could see that happening. Lomachenko obviously has been in the mix. He's going to be fighting up soon. Uh, would they be interested in that? Maybe Shakur Stevenson threw his name in the ring. So there's a lot of This is the good thing with George. George is going to have a ton of options. But I would say my number one that I would like to see is I would like to see him versus Devin Haney. I would like to stop having semantics arguments about this undisputed thing. I would like the WBC to finally decide who their guy is and them to stick with him. And then we could just move on. But for right now, let's just say that the man, the uh, the unified man, the emperor of the 135 division is George Ferocious Cambosis. Well-earned, well-executed. It was a an awesome fight. Very emotional fight. Uh, felt great for him. Um, I did think when the, when, I, when the one judge had it for Tia Vima, I'm like, Oh, he is going to get effed out of this. Because I thought after those last two rounds, I was like, I knew like after the round 10, I think like a lot of people, we all thought, oh boy, it's teeth the right way. But when he had that round 11 and he bounced back and round 12, I was like, they can't, they can't F him. I like was screaming at my teeth. I wasn't saying F. I was saying they can't the word him here. They can't bleep him here. They can't. And when they gave the one card to, 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 to Lopez, I was like, Oh man, you just never know with boxing. You just never ever know. But uh but he got it. The emperor. The emperor, man. George Ferocious Cambosis. Congratulations to him, his family. Uh it was great meeting his dad this week uh last week and congratulations to his wife, their new baby, and uh obviously it has to mean a huge ton for him to be able to honor his grandfather this way who passed in the uh in, in the in between of these fights so congratulations to him and yeah congratulations to my guy peter khan you now have uh you're now managing a champion the champion of the world so good for you my friend and uh we'll take a break man when we come back we we'll get to a little bit more stephen fulton getting the victory over brandon figaro yesterday a crazy day of boxing we'll take a quick break and be back with more after this all right welcome back everybody tobin's fight show here on 790 the ticket uh man crazy night of boxing last night you had Stephen Fulton coming out on top. He is now the unified champion at 122 pounds. He beat Brandon Figueroa. Uh, 116-112 was on two cards. It was a draw on the other. And um, 
I thought it was a, a really, really fun fight. You know, those, I mean, look, when those little guys are in there and they're slugging like crazy at each other and they're throwing, you know, all types of leather and so many punches, you know that this is going to be a tough fight to score because it's unlikely that somebody's going to get finished. But who's going to get the nod on some of these swing rounds? And I, I, I thought that Brandon came out on top. I thought that Brandon ended up getting the nod. Now, I thought it was like 7-5. I didn't think that this was, uh, I, you know, and I was probably subconsciously leaning that I didn't want to go draw on this. I don't really have a problem with Fulton getting the nod. I really don't. Now, I, him winning 8-4, I'm kind of with Al Bernstein there. I was like, ah, I thought that, you know, it was, it was pretty close there. And, and I thought that uh, Brandon was really backing him up in those cards. Now I do agree. I do think that he was throwing a ton of stuff. It was like, he was throwing so much, so much at Fulton that I'm sure he was getting the great crowd reaction. I'm sure that, uh, maybe it looked a little bit more aesthetically pleasing to him, uh, winning. Now his thought afterwards was not as crazy as Lopez's was. First of all, um, I do actually think that he has a gripe. I do think he has a gripe that he he could have won that fight. So there's that. I, I I wish that both of these guys would have given a little bit more respect to the winner because the whole point of this is, hey, you're undefeated. You shouldn't take anything poorly from this. Like I hope for boxing fans, I hope that for the for the respect that you give these guys going in. And everybody who's a fan of Brandon Figueroa, anybody who's a fan of Tiafima Lopez, I hope you have that same respect coming out that Tiafima Lopez did stick at 135 and did try and defend his title against a relative unknown in George Cambosis. That Brandon Figueroa, at his age, at his record, is stepping in there with an undefeated champion and is trying to do something for legacy. So I, I do hope that the fans continue to give these guys their respect. That being said, I wish that there was a little bit more respect that they were giving to their opponents because, look, that was a very, very tough fight to score. I agree with Brandon's gripe. I do think that he won the fight, but I don't think it's one of these things where you have to say it's a joke that Steven uh, won the fight. I don't think that uh, I don't think that it was a joke. I think, I, you know, you knew there were going to be some tough rounds in there. You could see the score and that was all over social media. You could see the unofficial score. With Steve Farhood, like it was going back and forth. Um, if it was a draw, I don't think anybody would have a gripe with it. And the fact that it did end up with a decision, I think that somebody was going to go home very upset. And I think when you're Brandon Figueroa and you throw a thousand plus punches, you know, you're going into this and you're kind of trying to find things like, all right, where was this? And let's see what the ended up numbers being. It was um, Brandon Figueroa was 314 of. 1,060 shots, and then you had Stephen Fulton who threw 726 shots, um, but landed 269 of them. And I mean, they did not throw, they did not land them. <laughs> a lot of jabs between each other. It was mostly in the in the in the body range, just wailing on each other. And you know, from that from that range, like Fulton was much more accurate. Uh, than, than, uh, than, than Brandon Figueroa was, but Brandon, uh, did land more. I mean, he did land more shots overall. 
Um, but I do, I do think that some of the slickness that Fult was able to put in there, yeah, I, I, I could see it. I, I don't really agree with the judges having it. Uh, and in that in that range of winning eight rounds to four, I think that's a little bit lopsided. You know, it's a, that, that's like a round away from being a route. It's it, well, I mean, but it's also a round away from being close. Like it, it's a tough thing with boxing, but I don't agree with it. Uh, being in that range, um, I, I don't know if they'll end up fighting each other again. Figaro seems pretty uh, keen on moving up, and so I don't think we'll see it again. You know, Jim Gray was trying to do his best. To, uh, well, you agree to the rematch or not? Shut up, Jim. Hey, Jim, calm down, my friend. Well, are you agreeing to it or are you not agreeing to it? Are you a promoter, Jim? Chill out. Let him get to his, uh, figure the whole thing out, man. I don't know. So from that standpoint, um, I thought that while I wish Figueroa would have handled himself better, I do think that he had a much bigger gripe than Tiafimo I don't think Tiafimo Lopez has any gripe at all. Don't think that, even if Tiafimo Lopez would have come at me and said, I, I think I won that fight, you know, seven rounds to five. I would have been like, you didn't play, boy. Honestly, you were lucky to win four rounds, to be honest with you. If I'm honest, Tiafimo, you were, you were lucky to win four rounds in that fight. Um, but it is what it is. You know, guys are going to be upset from, those, uh, from that standpoint. Uh, the other thing tonight that you had was this triad that was going on on Triller. I did not watch a lot of this. Now, listen. My guy is Shannon the Cannon Briggs. I want to see Shannon uh, get some kind of big payday. So I'm going to be very much into watching him versus Rampage Jackson. Uh, but I did not watch a whole hell of a lot of this triad thing that was going on for a couple reasons. One, I was very into actual boxing that at stakes tonight, not some hodgepodge thing in a tri triangle. Uh, two... This triller, I mean, they are shameless with their theft. I mean, they really are, or, or they're, or they're uh, skating around things because you guys stole the Trigon from Dada from Dada Five Thousand. I mean, that I'm just gonna, you know, I I know a lot of people aren't gonna care because they're like, oh, who cares, Tobin? It's a ring. I get you, like Octagon, Decagon, Sextagon, uh, a Bellator Cage. Who cares? Doesn't everybody kind of have the same thing? I feel you, but it's in their name, the uh, the triad. They're all doing the triangle. And look, if you're down here in South Florida, you know about the Trigon. Like, that's Dada 5000's thing. They've been doing the Trigon since it was a cage and when they converted it into a bare-knuckle boxing ring. So the dude got his idea lifted because everybody's sitting there saying, oh, this is going to be made for contact. Yeah, I bet it is. But you guys stole that idea from Dada 5000. Flat out. Uh, flat out. You stole that idea from Dada 5000. So, look, that's on, you know, uh, Mikey Vasquez and everybody at BYB. That's on them to deal with. But, yeah, I was, like, very, very, uh, when I first saw this, I was like, wait, they're fighting in a triangle? Isn't that Dada 5000's idea? Isn't that BYB's thing? And, yeah, apparently they're pissed. They, like, sent out a whole press release of a, of a lawsuit and uh said that they were you know they had first of all fight tv has carried their fights before they carried this tonight and uh apparently had talks with triller about doing byb and all that stuff now look again i don't know what the rules are i don't know what goes into hey you guys lay claim to only getting to fight in a triangle i don't know but it's kind of weird like 
Fighting in a triangle is weird, and I only know one person who had this idea, and it was Dada 5000. So that's just it. You know, these are a bunch of people who I like very much. You know, I know this isn't Shannon the Cannon Briggs's problem because he's just there as a uh, as uh, basically a promoter. But this this triller, they're, they're, they're a bit sketchy. I mean, let's, let's be honest about it, all right? Everybody comes out of these things pissed off at them that they didn't get paid or that somebody was uh, was left underpaid. Mike Tyson was done with them. Jake Paul was done with them. Uh, you had the Evander Holyfield, Vitor Belfort fiasco. And so it kind of seemed like they were out of boxing. And then they just kind of leapt in here with this triad thing, which they seemingly came in on like two weeks notice. And they throw everything against the wall, which is like, you know, Ryan Kavanaugh calling out Dana White to we have Metallica performing to we have Rampage Jackson versus Shannon Briggs, but they're not fighting. They're kind of like ultimate fighter coaches. Rampage Jackson, we had him on the show on Friday. He didn't even really or on Wednesday, excuse me. He didn't even sound like he knew what the hell he was getting into. Um, other than I want to see him and Shannon fight. I don't know if I want to see them fight in a triad or a bootleg trigon is is what i should really call it um but yeah i think part of it probably was the idea that they probably were trying to stick it to tiafima lopez and george cambosis and and peter connell i bet they were probably trying to stick it to them a little bit like if we could take a couple buys away or subscriptions away or eyeballs away tonight so be it i i could tell you off of like my just my echo chamber I felt like most people were who were into fights were into boxing tonight. They were not into the triad. The only thing I really saw in the triad was uh, I saw that Kubrat Pulev knocked Frank Mir silly. Frank Mir was saying, oh, this is the biggest payday of my career. I hope it was, Playboy, because you got embarrassed. I hope it was the biggest payday of your career because, whoo, the Cobra, he kicked your ass, man. So, I don't know. Team MMA won, so good for uh, Rampage Jackson. Now, can you and Shannon Briggs just fight each other already? That's really what I it would come down to. If you do, then you know I'll uh, I'll I'll watch stuff in the in the triad or whatever the hell you guys are gonna fight in. You know if Triller's around by then, who knows? But uh, yeah, dude, I was like, wait a minute, because I wasn't really sure. Like they said, oh, we're fighting in a triangle. And I saw Ariel Hawani put out a video of it. I'm like, oh, dude, that's that's as blatant a ripoff as it gets between. The, the Trigon uh, and what these guys put together. It was it was crazy what I what I was seeing, what I was watching there. So I don't know. That was uh that was that was a, that was a weird one to watch for sure. But didn't watch but I guess you know Mike Perry was on it uh tonight. I didn't I don't know man. I I, I you know it's it, it looked basically like it looked a lot like bare knuckle rules, except that they were like in hybrid gloves, to be honest with you, from what I was seeing on Twitter. The gloves look very small, but they are kind of open, but close, but uh, the fingers were closed in and, you know, you could do hammer fist spinning elbows. You know, maybe I'll find a copy of it somewhere and I'll, I'll check it out or something like that. But, you know, like, oh, don't steal it, Tobin. Well, listen. I don't feel bad about uh, stealing their fights if they're stealing ideas from Dada 5000. Feels like what's fair is fair. 
You know, I'm just saying, you know, but I didn't watch it live tonight. Can't say that I did as much as I, you know, you know, love my guy, uh, Shannon Briggs didn't watch it tonight. Uh, my, my guy, I was watching, uh, I was watching the championship boxing that was going on. That was what I was into. We'll get into some of the news of the week and uh, look ahead to what else, uh, what other action is coming on up. We'll be back with more on the Tobin's fight show after this. Welcome back, everybody. It is Tobin's Fight Show here on 790 The Ticket. Thank you for tuning in. We've been talking a lot of boxing today. We talked about that uh, Triller thing. Uh, Getting into a little bit of UFC news that's been uh, been going on as we have. Uh, we're closing in on UFC 269. Very excited about that as you have Dustin Poirier taking on Charles Oliveira for the lightweight championship of the world. You also have Amanda Nunes taking on uh, Juliana Pena for the 135 strap in the women's division. So very excited about that as well. And Poirier, this was an interesting one. Poirier actually, uh, he mentioned this to MMA Junkie, and it said that this may be his last fight at 155 pounds, which is interesting because there's a lot of, you know, 170 is an interesting division where, you know, Usman's kind of sitting out there and he's waiting for a big old fight. You know, he's waiting for something that wets his whistle. He's talking about this crazy stuff about fighting um, Canelo Alvarez. It's never going to happen. It's a waste of time. And, you know, it's one of these things where it's just like, come on, what are we doing here, dude? You know, it's like, you know, they and and by the way, you know, they just did uh, the pay-per-views for him versus Colby. And it did very well. I think it did like 700,000 buys. That's pretty damn good. Uh, you know, especially with the pay-per-view model these days and, you know, I think shows a lot for one. I think, you know, that rivalry, I think people are into it, but also for Kamara. Kamara's been on a lot of very successful pay-per-views between, and he's had good dance partners. You know, I think Masvidal has been a big, was a big uplifter for him, but I do think that the more that he fights and the more he puts forth these great performances, I do think people are respecting his greatness and are. Uh, there, there's a good portion of people that will tune in. If you don't want, you're not going to tune into Kamar. Kamar Usman is arguably the best guy doing it right now. You're not going to tune in to watch him fight. Either way, I say this because Dustin Poirier said that he's probably going to go to 170 if he beats Charles Oliveira, and I think that's interesting because if he does go up, that's a monster fight. Him versus Kamar Usman. Kamar is looking for that big time fight. What is the big time uh, thing out there? And Dustin going to 170, that's easily the fight to make, especially if he is the 155-pound champion going on up. Now, will Kamar Usman, Hemet Haw, this, oh, really, we're going at the this guy, and he gets to have the shot at me immediately? Maybe, but I just, like, what else is he going to do? Is it going to be Leon Edwards, uh, who he's already beaten? Is it going to be, uh, I don't know. You know, somebody else at 170 right now. I'm trying to think. Let's see. What's a weight rankings right now in the UFC? You got Gilbert Burns, beat him. Colby, beat him twice. Leon, beat him. Vicente Luque, that's tasty. Steven Wonderboy Thompson, you know, interesting. Kind of been there, done that with him. Beat Jorge Masvidal twice. And then Sean Brady's kind of an up and comer. Um, and Hamzat is obviously the uh, the I think the the guy that everybody is also looking at. But if Dustin were to hop, if he were to jump ship and move to 170, I think that uh, that would be that would be a pretty tasty. Now 
Fizzle obviously upset Justin Gaethje. Gaethje wants to get the winner of that fight. Yeah, but he'll he'll end up fighting for the vacant belt anyway. You uh, you know, as long as he gets that shot, I don't think he's gonna be too upset. And I do think it's interesting for Dustin because you're kind of looking at all the guys who are coming up between Benil Daryush and Islam Makachev, and it's kind of this new wave of contenders, and he's kind of sliced and diced through everybody. So do you go and take the gold and, and run to a new division and see if there's uh, some greener bashes there? I think it's interesting. And then uh, if he doesn't get the Kamaru Usman fight, does he then move to Colby Covington fight? Another little bit of a grudge match there. That would be interesting. Him versus Leon's a fun fight. Him versus Luke's a fun fight. Him versus Wonderboy's a fun fight. Uh, him and Masvidal won't fight because they're teammates. But there are a lot of fun fights. And honestly, if you're looking at the top six right now in welterweight and you're looking at the top six right now in lightweight, you know, I think with some new blood of Dustin Poirier kind of thrown in there, a guy who's a fight of the year candidate every time that he steps into the cage, it's a really, really fun idea of him going to welterweight. But I honestly think that if he goes, he deserves to go right there and fight the champ right away simply because there's not a lot of great options there. Like if you're going to be Vicente Luque, you're really going to gripe the fact that Dustin Poirier leaps the uh, the line on you. If you're Leon Edwards, well, Leon Edwards is going to gripe no matter what. But, you know, I, I think if you're the fans and you're like, what do you want to see more? If you ask Dustin Poirier versus Kamar Usman or Leon Edwards versus Kamar Usman, that poll will come back 95% to 5. 2% of that is Brits. 3% of that is Fat Thumbs. So just food for thought. Interesting also, Conor McGregor, he said uh, on Twitter, he was doing a bunch of tweeting this week. Very busy thumbs from Conor McGregor. Leg doesn't work. Thumbs work very good. He said, uh, I'm facing whoever the F is the light, has the lightweight title next. Deal with it. Now, he also said something to the degree of uh, the trilogy and all that type of stuff. He also mentioned that him and Nate will eventually happen for sure. We'll see. Maybe Nate won't be in the UFC, Conor, so. Who knows? Did say this week. He was doing a bunch of Q&As. He said that uh wasn't too impressed with Kamaru Usman with his uh, title performance against Colby. If it wasn't for the knockdown, I thought that was Colby's fight. If, if some butts were candy and nuts, whatever. You know, this is like when Connor will fawn over one, the one round he got against Khabib. So, anyway, he says, uh, I'm going to face whoever's the 155-pound belt. I got to be honest with you. I would be very annoyed if I was Dustin Poirier, and that is the case. Because, one, um, the whole point of Charles Oliveira versus Michael Chandler was because you didn't want to put Conor McGregor in a title fight with me. You made me choose between money and title. So I'd be very annoyed if I was Dustin Poirier. Uh, And it would look kind of bad on the UFC if they did do that. And also, it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you made this title fight. With Charles Oliveira and Michael Chandler, because you didn't want to have Connor for the uh, the title. Now Connor's another loss, and then he does. So I don't know. I'd have. I'd honestly find it hard to believe that Connor is going to get thrown in there with uh with the one fifty five pound champion. I would. Uh, I would find that hard to believe. But it is interesting. Like, listen, if if Dustin ends up making this jump to one seventy, do they end up doing the Connor fight there at one seventy? You know. Um, is that a possibility? Do they do they go that route? Yeah, definitely. Definitely a possibility. You know, they've done them both at lightweight before. Could they do a welterweight? I know Connor's not going to disagree to that. Clearly, Dustin won't disagree to that. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of 
I think they've done everything there is. To, I really feel like they've tapped this Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor well. I think it needs something new to spice it back up. So whether that's Conor winning and calling Dustin out, whether that's Dustin winning the belts and him calling Conor out, something like that. I don't feel like it's just going to get dropped cold in the middle of it and uh, and all of a sudden we're good to go. Speaking of which, on the boxing side of things, this was interesting. Keith Thurman came out this week. And he had said that he wants to return to face Terrence Crawford or Errol Spence. Um, that's an interesting one. I got to say, Keith, I don't see it happening. I got to think that whatever jump Terrence Crawford is going to make next, it's going to be made with the intention of going to fight Errol Spence. I can't imagine that being, I'm going to go and I'm going to find fight Keith Thurman before getting to Errol Spence. Doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense to me. Also, feel like Terrence Crawford smokes Keith Thurman. Errol Spence kind of has a thing with Keith Thurman, too. So, I don't know. He might be left out in the cold in this one. But he says that he is uh, reinvigorated, if you will, when it comes to that type of stuff. Also, speaking of a little of, uh, chicanery in the fight game, this is interesting. So, Jake Paul, according to John Fury, that's Tommy Fury's dad. Uh, refused VADA testing. He is uh, he will not be randomly drug tested in the lead up to his fight in Tampa Bay, where their lone test will be, of course, in competition from the Florida State Athletic Commission. And um, you know, you even have Victor Conti calling him out this week on that, which is kind of interesting. That uh, between all of this, Jake Paul, uh, th- that uh, between all of this stuff, where Jake Paul is driving everybody insane and nuts. The thing that's also going to make it funny is like, oh, what if he is also a a PED cheat on top of everything? Which, honestly, for me, I think would be kind of funny because if he did come out afterwards, say he won the fight, and then he does say that I was on steroids, what's anyone going to do? What is the Florida State Athletic Commission? They're going to besmirch the sanctity of Jake Paul's uh, record? I guess first what you do is you get your purse first, and then you worry about the rest. But, um... I found that interesting. It's like, oh wow, we're really trying to now. We're trying to hold Jake Paul to the uh, to the clean athlete standard. Like you don't know you're already going into a clown show when it comes to uh, to this boxing thing between uh, Jake Paul and Tommy Fury and all that type of stuff. So some interesting stuff out there to chew on for sure. Um, but a fun week, man. It was a fun, interesting week. Congrats again to George uh, Cambosis for becoming champion. Congrats to uh steven fold for becoming unified 122 champion and uh great shows by both those guys and for the guys that lost man like look still gonna watch your next fights you guys you know put it on the line there too i want this to become more like mixed martial arts in the sense of i do want young fighters who do risk it who do put it on the line against top line contenders i want those guys to get their respect too and i wish sure i do wish that Tiafimo handled the loss a little bit better today. Um, I think that was like a, it reeked of desperation to me. Like, I got to get my next fight. My next fight has to be against Cambosis. But honestly, I think they're right. I think, yeah, should Tiafimo move up? I would move up. Move up. See, uh, you know, I now, the one thing I would say with Tiafimo moving up that would concern me is, um, you know, had a lot of trouble getting George Cambosis down today. Hit him with some real flush stuff, but it took up until round 10 to really get him. So that would give me some concern 
if I was uh, them moving up and and trying to get into this 140 game or this 147 game eventually. You know, he's he's not a tall dude, and uh, I wouldn't. You know, I don't think he's got Javante Davis special power, but uh, but he talks a good game. I think that those two uh, make for a, a good bad guy tandem. They can make it. They can make you really root against them. But you know, all credit goes to George tonight, man. This is, uh, in my mind, it's his night, and uh, he really, really, uh, really, really, really earned it there in the uh, in, in the uh, in the match on Saturday night. That's our show for this week, everybody. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.